to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 32. My name is Gabe Estel, and I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. How's it going, guys? It is going wonderful. All right. Blended. That's what I like to hear. Um, well, we're going to jump right into it here. Um, uh, we're in the heat of uh, the kind of the, the, well, I should say the playoff picture is emerging. Uh, it's getting clearer, and that's good for two of our teams. Uh, maybe not so much for the White Sox, but the playoff picture is certainly coming into focus. And um, the Cubs look good. Uh, the Royals look very good. And uh, kind of around the rest of the league, I was looking around, and if hey, the playoffs... the Tigers are in last place. That's cool. The Tigers are in last place. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That's crazy. I know. Um, and uh, I was looking around, and I guess if the season were to end today, and we're recording this on the, the 30th of August... Every player would be really surprised, first of all. Right, every player would be surprised. That. Yeah, if the season ended today... Locker's yeah. empty. They right. get there, they're like, what? Um... The Yankees and the Rangers would be the wild cards in the American League, and then the Cubs and the Pirates would uh, pretty comfortably be the wild cards in the, uh, uh, well, I guess... Yeah, the Cubs and Pirates. Cubs and Pirates, yeah, but the yeah. Dodgers are close on the Cubs. But Do- the Do- Dodgers Giants. have division lead of, like, four games. Ah, uh, they do. They yep. do. The Giants right. are, like, I yeah. think three and a half yeah. or four yeah. back of the Cubs. Yeah. That, okay. that, that Pirates-Cubs game, man, that will be, if that's how that it shakes out, and it looks like it will, that epic. will be intense. It's going to be a yeah, very intense. If there would ever be an argument for yeah. a um, uh, a dismissal of the one-game wild card, it would be, like, that game. Like, it should be at least three games if those two teams had to face each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's already talk in the town of, like, we know we're paying Lester tons of money. Who cares? Put Arietta in. Oh, no yeah. kidding. Wow. I think you have to go with Arietta, dude. Wow. Yeah. That's a tough call. Because Lester oh. is the guy you got to, to pitch that to wild card game. I know. He yeah. is the but guy. Just the way the season is. Oh, man. That yeah. is so with tough. Best dude, man. You know, you go with the best guy. It doesn't, like, all that other stuff is, I don't know, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's irrelevant, but. It doesn't factor well, yeah, the uh, like anything. Pitch, pitch Arietta five and put Lester in for the last four or something. You or, know have, what I mean? or have the other guy ready to go. Yeah, something. Yeah. Just because I mean, it's it's the game that basically makes or breaks the season. I mean, you've got oh, yeah. a guy that's thrown a, a Cy, Cy Young caliber season. Um, I, I I would. That's who I'd go with. It's kind of. I would go. Great. I would go with Jake too. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I get it. And as a guy who's rooted for Lester in the past, um, you know, and seen him win huge games left and right, I, 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 I agree with you. Arietta's probably it's, the way. It's to go. the here and now, man. You yeah. know, I mean, you got to go with that. Yeah. Um. It all the I know. Lester has a you know a proven track record in the playoffs, but I don't know. That was that was with a different team, and that was a few years ago. So. Well, and let's get to the playoffs, and then let him play. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, we do have a month to play, um, yeah, and I wanted can happen. To, I wanted to revisit um, our predictions. Now, oh I yeah, season... I, oh, I meant to check mine so I could remember. I, it. Please I remember refresh it. our memories, Gabe. Yeah, because I, I know none of mine are right. <laughs> yeah, I remember the World Series picks at least, and and most of the others. Um, so obviously, like I you know, I mentioned, the season isn't quite over yet, but we're getting 
pretty close to uh I know I had battle and I know that's a <laughs> right so <laughs> Levi picked and the Jonathan and I both picked the Nationals to win the whole thing um and Levi picked the Mariners which those weren't crazy picks at the end of March you know oh, what I mean? Those were oh. those were really solid picks. Yeah. A lot of people thought the Mariners. I mean, I thought I thought I thought the Nationals were going to win 130 games. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, most people thought you know the, the the this was the Mariners' breakout year too. And I I picked I another AL team that didn't pan out. Um, although they played better lately, um, but still they're I don't think they're a playoff threat by any means. The Indians, who I picked to go to the World Series, um, you know they. It never happened, you know. No, I mean, they've been in last place most of the season. Now they're they've won eight of ten. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've picked three, up three games below five hundred. Playoffs, I think, are still a lost cause. Um, and then uh, you know, Levi got the Blue Jays. Well, like I said, it's not over yet, but Levi picked the Blue Jays to win that division. And while the Yankees are only good. a game and a half back, you know, I mean, Toronto's got a pretty that offense has been on a torrid pace. Yeah, they're um, playing so. out of their mind. They look good, yeah. Incarnacion had like nine RBIs yesterday. Yeah, he hit three home runs. Did you hear that they threw, uh, since they were in Toronto, he hit three home runs and I, they threw hats out on the field? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool. Trick, that's yeah. cool. That is Toronto cool. fans, all right, you earned one back with that one. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, their offense is going to be tough. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to face that. No. And then, um, you know, obviously most people didn't pick the Astros to, uh, I mean, I think people thought they were going to be improved and they were certainly on the right track, but yeah. you know, they're, they've got four game, four game lead over the Rangers now. Yep. Um, and Houston's got, they're going to, right now they've got a six man rotation. Oh, do they? I didn't yeah. realize. So that's something that yeah. you want in the playoffs, you know, to be able yeah. to go to, to have six starters. At, uh, at well, in the playoffs, they'd probably trim it down to three or four, but they will, to know but that you have nice a guy to... that's ready to go just in case the other guy's getting lit up early. Yeah. It's, well, yeah if you've exactly. got to yank your starter in the Middle third relief. inning or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah you've got these yeah. other guys that, that can step in. So I, and, and their, their offense has cooled down a little bit, but you know, they, they started off pretty strong. So who knows? I mean, they're young and they're inexperienced, yeah. but um, and then moving over to the National League, I don't think any of us really thought the Mets would be where they are. Um, you know, they're they're in first place, and the Nationals are five and a half games back, and only two games over five hundred. And you know what's really interesting about both the Astros and the Mets is that both of those teams, like they leapt into first place, and then they had a like everybody's waiting for them to fall off a cliff. And both right. of them did have a bit of a regression, but yeah. both of them bounced back. Yeah, and I don't, and and that's what made that's what's probably making a lot more people take them seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great young pitching staff with the Mets, that's for sure. Oh yeah, uh, and then Degrom's got some of the best hair in the league. He does. That's a beautiful mane. Um, and then I would say that the, you know, the West out the National League West has kind of sort of played out. I think like most people thought it would. Um, the Dodgers don't have that comfortable of a lead, but they're still leading. Uh, and then the Cardinals, you know, I knew they were going to be good, but I didn't, I didn't think they'd be this good. God, they're like it's, a machine. Yeah, they are, but they, they've still got a, and that's, even though they've got the best record in the league, the Royals are in a better position because the Royals have a 13 game lead and the Cardinals only have a four and a half game lead. So the Cardinals can't like really let up at all. No, you're and right. And the Royals can. Yeah. The Royals can, can rest bullpen, rest starters. Yeah, the Royals are just playoff prepping at this point, you know, I yeah. mean. Yeah, they got a six-game lead for best record in the AL, and that's kind of yeah. all they got an eye on right now. 
So, so if you guys had to pick it over, right? You get a do-over. Hold on, who who, who did I pick for the you World Series? You picked the Red Sox in the American League. Oh yeah, that was that's the pretty Red Sox awful. and the Nationals. I had Cleveland and Washington. Levi had uh, the Dodgers and the Mariners. Okay, all right, all right. Those yeah, I'm Series I'm looking pretty bad. I got, I mean I hate to say it, but it would it would be tough to beat the Cardinals. It really would. Oh my Kansas God, City yeah. is probably the team that could do it, but um, it would be it would be tough. I mean, I mean, I obviously I don't want them to win another World Series, but. I, I'm just just going with my head and not my heart here. Oh, yeah, so. No, they're uh, they're ridiculous, man. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna take a team like that Red Sox team or somebody that has like just magic to to oh to like beat the 04 them. Red Sox team. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what right, I mean. Like right. it's gonna take some kind of just magic. No, no, I, I think that this is like what's what was that Mariners team? It was like 2001 Mariners that won, won 116 like 115 games, games or yeah. something like so, that. So yeah, this house of cards is going to fall, if you will. I hope. Um, and I, I think, uh, I, I think it'll be. If the Cubs won that game, would it be Cubs Cardinals for the? Ooh, I don't know. It depends. I have to. See, it depends. How I the think they reseed. I think okay. they reseed after because that would first... be there would be some hostile territory in Central Illinois. If if the Cubs have a better record than one of the other two division winners, then I think the Cardinals and the Cubs wouldn't play. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take Kansas City over Pittsburgh in the in the series. Kansas City over Pittsburgh. All right, stamp it. I get so that will not be a ratings juggernaut. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! And, and you know, you know, <laughs> this is what Middle America says: just right. d- double birds all around. <laughs> this is what we have to say about your ratings. Hey, I'd like to see it, um, but uh, yeah, certainly, the rest of the country would. Totally oh no! It, it, it's like the working class series for sure. That's right. That's yeah. right. Levi, who do you think? Who do you? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, the heart says you're the Cubs, but uh, well, yeah, I. I had originally picked Toronto. I didn't think they were going to be as good. I had no idea they would make the moves they did. They have what, like, they have the best, what is it, left side of the infield or whatever, you know what I mean? They have the best offense. Donaldson, Tulo. Yeah, and so it's like... uh, if their pitching can hold up and the price stays the ace. Yeah, I think they could be, I think they could be the wild card. I think... Not not literally the wild card, but I think if they if they, I think if everything comes together, they they'll be in the World Series. I think. And I, it's I possible. yeah yeah yeah. I mean that offense is going to be hard to stop. Um, it's probably the best one two, top of the order I've seen in quite a while. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if I yeah, I would I would say St. Louis and somebody else. The American League is is kind of up for grabs for me. I, I, I would, if I had to pick somebody, I'd say Kansas city. So I'm, I'm thinking it'll be the, um, the, uh, rematch of 1985. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. That would be, uh, I know that's not the most adventurous pick with teams with the best records, but yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, you know, we'll see how it shakes out guys. Um, but it looks like both of your teams knock on wood will be playing in October. Um, Gabe, at least you guys got to wear the old unis earlier this week. Did. 
we did, yeah. Collars. Yeah. Did anybody get any bad strawberries or anything, raspberries on their legs uh, while <laughs> they're sliding? Shorts. Um, yeah, they're, they're capri pants. Yeah. They were kind of, they were sort of like capri pants. Yeah, they just, they weren't a good look then, and they're not a good look now. Um, it's I mean, fun. I think the, yeah, it's fun. You know, I mean, I think they tried to, the marketing department tried to capitalize, like you know, Instagram the shit out of this throwback Thursday. Mm-hmm. The game was on a Thursday. Yes. You know, so yeah. it was good marketing on uh, on the White Sox part. Yeah. So, and we won. So, hey, yeah. wear them again. Right. Um, got a rare win. Um, so, anyway, um, looking at uh, going to music here. Now, Levi, I know that um, you went to a little festival over the weekend in Colorado called Ned Fest. Um, yeah. It was tell us a- about do you want to tell us about Nedfest? What, what, in, first of all, how did they get the name? Nederland, Colorado. Okay. Right. T- tucked in the uh, Roosevelt National Forest. Uh, Nederland, Colorado is a very small uh, town, you know, um, predominantly like older hippies. Right. Of like, you know, d- d- different classes. There's like little tiny hippie shacks where you can see like weed plants in their front yard. <laughs> and then there's like giant like guys who probably retired from Apple who have like houses sure. on the sides of the mountains that overlook yeah, the cliffs. Hippies. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> it was a diverse crowd, man. Yeah. So right. yeah, it. Uh, I didn't know. I guess it's a new trend to to look like you were in Dexy's Midnight Runners. <laughs> it's like a new look. There were like guys in suspenders and like bandanas and. Some guys could pull it off. Some guys, not so much. Uh, the music was excellent. Uh, the opening acts were local Colorado bands. I mean, none of them I could tell you their names. Right. Um, there were, I want to say, two of them. And then Hardworking Americans played, which is a really good band, um, for those out there that don't know, with Todd Snyder and Dave Schools. And Neil Casal from Chris Robinson Brotherhood and uh, Dwayne Trucks, Derek's little brother, is playing drums with him right now. Oh, is that who? I knew he was. I didn't. And, I know if he was Butch's kid or Derek's brother. All right, Derek, Derek's little brother. And, okay. Uh, yeah, the, and the, I think the other guy's name was like Chad Staley, and I think he's from a band called Great American Taxi. Oh yeah, right, right, with Vince and, Hartman. Yeah, yeah, and so um, they were really good, and. Uh, I had never, I had only heard a seven-inch single of theirs. They've that, just got one record, I think. Yeah, I, I have heard a one single off that it was from Record Store Day. It was a promo. And um, they were really good. I hadn't ever seen them live. Todd Snyder kind of has a... He's a uh, trip. Yeah, he has like an Americana Peter Wolf thing going. <laughs> Like, like really cool front man working the mic, you know, trying to, he, you don't see a lot of guys trying to be front men hardly anymore. So it was cool that he yeah. was doing that, I yeah. think. And, um, after that was Chris Robinson Brotherhood and they were good. It was a really cool laid back environment. Um, I think Very like was, uh, John Prine, like lyrics with Todd Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. He, I, that's the guy who discovered him actually. Oh, oh no really? kidding. Yep. And uh, I want to say it was like the early 90s. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a great time. It, it was really family friendly. There were kids everywhere and loads of 
craft beer and barbecue and nice you know it was a sounds good nice and small too you know nice yeah yeah manageable. like yeah i think they capped it at two thousand people that's what i like to see yeah yeah and um, it's like you're literally like kind of basically in the valley staring at mountains and there's a huge lake so it sounds was like, awful yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so how was chris chris robinson good um didn't really talk to the crowd, which like surprised me because like that is the Chris Robinson I know is the guy who's like telling the crowd to shut up and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I, 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 and even my wife mentioned something about that. She was like, Hey, he didn't even like, he just like got up there and went to work. Like it was a job. I was like, well, it is his job. And it was the first show of their tour. So I don't know, maybe hmm. he, I'm sure he had a lot of, very good Colorado hospitality in his bus all day long. Because <laughs> they, they had a huge tour bus. It was like a, a provost. It was a professional tour bus. And, uh, yeah. Well. Okay. Coolio. And, they had uh, their own beer. I got to, my wife had one and I had a sip of it. It's made by Anchor Brewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's called Brotherhood Steam. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, Alan uh-huh. Forbes, the the poster artist, designed the can, so I kept the can just as like right on. Keeps yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, What kind of right brew on. is it? Is it um, uh, hoppy or malty dry or hopped. dry yeah. hop? And yeah. so yeah, it was very hoppy. Yeah, right on. She had a blonde earlier in the day that was really good from a local brewery. I think they were called the Boulder Brewery. Nice. And uh, I mean, if yeah, if you're into craft beers, this was the place to be. Right Colorado seems good for that. Um, well, cool. And, uh, you know, as far as festivals go, uh, I know that Denver, the Riot Fest, um, makes three stops, one in Denver, Chicago, and then Toronto as well. Um, yeah, they, um, you know, they're all pretty close together. Uh, the Denver one was this weekend, um, and then the Chicago one is in two weeks, which I'll be going to. And, uh, you know, I kind of they, they announced the daily schedule about a week or two ago, so I finally got to kind of get my schedule ready, and I'll I'll give everybody when we record our next episode of the episode after that, depending where it falls, kind of a recap of Riot Fest. Uh, this will be the third year in a row that I've gone, um, and I am able to go to all three days, so that is nice. Um, and uh, if I had to do it all over, you know, I I kind of bought the three day pass a little bit kind of impulsively you know yeah. like oh i'm gonna go you know and, <laughs> and then it's like that's a big commitment you know, when, it is especially when with a kid yeah 72 hours you're yeah like, oh, well yeah i mean and i'm going um you know it's not like i'm getting there at noon every day you know so <laughs> um the first day and I'll, I'll keep this brief but i've got um i don't the only thing i'm disappointed in the, like the only act that i'm gonna miss out on um, is they, I really wanted to see living color mm. and okay. they put them in a bad slot. They're at like two thirty on Friday afternoon. What, what kind of respect is that? I know. I know. Right. I mean, for a veteran band, um, you know, afternoon slot, early afternoon at that on the first day, uh, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm disappointed there. Cause I mean, I can't really take off work early and et cetera. So Friday night's kind of tame. Um, I, you know, I, I get Anthrax, Faith No More, and then Ice Cube. Um, Ice Cube is up against 
Motorhead, but I've seen Motorhead three or four times, and with Lemmy's health being pretty precarious, Ice Cube is going to do straight out of Compton in its entirety uh, with MC Ren and Yellow Boy. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you got to go to that. So it's kind of like a mini, it's like NWA minus Dre and Easy, basically. Yeah. Um, Who the fuck is Dre? Dre needs to get in on that shit. <laughs> Dre's got plenty of money, my man. Oh, no, I do need <laughs> he, uh... Since 2001, he hasn't come out with a record. And all he, came out, those... he just came out with one. Compton. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. But it, but you're right, though. I mean, there was like a 15-year gap. Yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, yeah he, he just cashed checks for 15 years. That's all that dude did. Selling headphones, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> selling yeah. overpriced headphones. Seriously. That, that uh... He's selling $20 headphones for 200 bucks a piece. Really? Um, the, this is the Michael Jordan of headphones, bro. Yeah. Michael Jordan took a $20 shoe, put his logo on it, and was like, 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So so Dre, I get, I don't know, I don't, unless unless he surprises the crowd in Chicago, he, uh, you know, he didn't show up in Denver. So, okay. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so I've got the, just those three on Friday night, because I'm not going to be able to get there until about 7 o'clock. Um, and then on Saturday, I've got um, this is if I can get there in time. I've got the Damned, and I've got Echo and the Bunnymen, Merle Haggard, which I've always wanted to say Merle Haggard after Echo and the Bunnymen, um, <laughs> Billy Idol, and System of a Down, um, who I've been wanting to see for several yeah, years. Yeah. Um, so that's Saturday, and then the last day I've got. Um, Manchester Orchestra, Cypress Hill, Snoop doing Doggy Style in its entirety, and then Modest Mouse. So, <laughs> so that's my that's hopefully going to be my. Ha- has uh, has Rife has been so this uh, hip hop heavy? You know they've uh, um a couple years ago uh, they had Public Enemy. I saw yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they always have a couple hip hop okay. or a few hip hop hacks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um, it's kind of a mixture. You know, it's kind of like um, like punk and hip hop yeah. are like the main are essentially, you know, the, the two genres that are probably the most well represented at the festival. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly punk. So if you had to commit, you let's say next year, you could only commit to uh, Riot Fest pitchfork or Lollapalooza, which one would you choose like blindly not knowing who would be playing just based on reputation and probably riot fest yeah 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 because gosh you know they um it, it's pretty ambitious booking um a lot of acts that you don't get to see a lot like last year i got to see paul weller he never really tours the states very often uh, you know, the replacements got back together a few mm-hmm. years ago, and that was, you know, one of their first gigs. So, um, so yeah, they, it seems like they, they throw more curveballs than the other festivals do. So, Is it at a new uh, new park this yeah, year? Yeah, it's at a different park this year. Um, so i I got I to gotta figure out my transportation and all that. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so, that's, that's, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, lots to look forward to. Definitely. And lastly, before we get into the heart of the order here, um, one other bit of news. Uh, I didn't put this in the notes, so but uh, so I'll throw you guys off that. Apparently, Axel and Slash have made amends. Slash oh, I, has said so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew this. I posted it on uh, right. 
Or Facebook, yeah. Right. Axel it's... and Flash have made amends. So obviously the rumor mill is is buzzing now. It's supposed to be a big year next year for GNR. It's supposed now. to be a big year next year for GNR. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's going to happen. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, all I got so to what... say is if Izzy's in, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. All right. right? That's, that's where I stand on this. Oh, yeah. No the, Izzy, uh... not interested. Anyway. Yeah. It, is next year an anniversary of anything? Like of, no. of any of the uh, records? Like, I mean, yeah. Appetite came out in 87. So, yeah, okay. so they're pretty close to 30 years for Appetite. But... <laughs> yeah, crazy. Uh, the spaghetti um... incident anniversary? Something <laughs> <laughs> tells me a- Axel wouldn't be interested in anything that re- resembled an anniversary tour. Something, I mean, yeah. you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, obviously, they have the ability to make a lot of money um with this oh so yeah we'll, we'll see how it shakes I out i fork it over i'm ready yeah i mean like i said izzy there's there's the izzy factor for me that's huge i don't yeah. want i don't want gilby clark all right or right. whoever right. he's had playing with him I, I would still i would still make a, an effort for if even if it was just axel and slash uh, because i've never seen any incarnation yeah, of, yeah. Of yeah. well duff, I, duff would be in because duff's played with them a handful of times over the last few yeah, years. Yeah. And he's still really active. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in great shape too. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah he's, he's like running dude, marathons yeah. and shit. He's an with Mike McCready. I, <laughs> I saw him. He, in, go ahead. Levi, Vel- a Velvet revolver. He like ripped his shirt off and I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Nice six pack. Uh, like, he he wow. just played with, uh, with McCready and Mark Arm. They did a Stooges tribute uh, yeah. in Seattle on top of the, uh, the fish market there. Right, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, and then uh, Izzy has played with. He sat in with the new lineup once or twice as well on a couple songs. Yeah. So obviously Izzy and Axel are on okay terms, probably. So yeah, Slash has been kind of the lone holdout, and I guess whoever they have on drums, I don't know. I mean, uh, Adler. It's not going to be Adler. No, no, nah, he can't cut it. Um, I guess. It, I mean, Sorum's a hell of a drummer, so I would I would be fine with that, um, unless they just go with the guy they've had. I, I feel bad; I don't remember his name. But uh, <laughs> if, if you had to bet a week's pay on anything on a reunion happening next year that involves Slash or more, what, uh, would you bet? Oh, um, gosh! Like, what's the over under? No, like like if you had to bet a week's pay. As to oh. whether or not next year they toured with with at least Axel and Slash, would you bet a week's pay on it? Hmm. Um, no, I wouldn't because I think that um, Slash seems like uh, I, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he'd really like just just do it for the money, you know. Yeah, I yeah, I. Uh, yeah. I he seems like a dude that, uh, you know, sticks to his principles for the most part. And probably, I, I doubt he, obviously it's a shitload of money and that can make people do things they normally wouldn't do. But um, I don't think he, uh, you know, he he's really seeking a large payday. Yeah. I, I'm just speculating here. But yeah. but yeah, so I don't think so. Um, could I maybe see like, like the new lineup of Guns N' Roses playing and maybe Slash comes out for a couple songs like on like their whatever show they do in LA or something like that maybe 
Hmm. But like a full-blown tour, I don't know. Hmm. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Levi, would you? I think I would. Yeah. Would you? Wow. I think Feeling I would. optimistic. I just think, um, I think the money is there. And I, I do think Slash does have principles, but like, I think those Guitar Hero checks are slowly not coming in the mailbox anymore like they used to. The Guitar Hero checks. And, and, uh, you know, I know Duff would love to have the money, and you would figure Izzy would love to have the money. Yeah, I mean, he's been the least active of any of them. Well, actually, I mean, he's put out albums, but he's... You know, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't tour regularly. That's a good, that's a great segue. And his his albums are good too. Yeah, yeah that is a great segue, which we uh, will the, that get first to now. Izzy record is awesome. The the Juju the the, Juju, the first Izzy and the Juju ass. House record, yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite. That's one of the best records of the '90s, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Levi is right. That is a good segue for our main topic tonight, which is solo releases from members of established bands. So the, really the only criteria we had is this person was in an, was in or had left an established band, right? I mean, that's really the only criteria. Yeah. Uh, because some people put out a solo release when they were still with that band. They didn't have any desire to leave the band. They just wanted to branch out or, or you know, try something new, whatever the case may be. Other people left and, you know, had successful or unsuccessful solo careers and never really looked uh, looked back with that band. I'm thinking of somebody maybe like Peter Gabriel, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like that who, you know, aside from a reunion gig in the early 80s, never, you know, never, never went back to Genesis and knock on wood, probably never will. Um, although I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't knock on wood. Yeah. Because that would uh, that would that would definitely be a reunion I would fork over some cash for. Uh, but anyway. So we're going to share some of what we think the best and worst uh, solo releases. And, you know, when we say best and worst, just meaning maybe, you know, ones we like, ones we don't like, some of our favorites and least favorites. Um, Levi, I'll start with you, man. Let's start with the good. Um, what, uh, what, what, what solo releases come to mind for you? Um, um, when, uh, well, we mentioned that. Izzy one that was going to be one of the first ones on my list. Yeah, and um, that was after I, he left Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, left, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if they ever even pressed it on vinyl, but I've never seen it on vinyl. And uh, I would record? really, yeah, I've never yeah. seen a copy of it on vinyl, just CD. And um, who else? Uh, I like. One of the ones that first, when we first did this, that came to my mind when you said ones you didn't like was the Scott Weiland solo record. He's got I, a couple uh, of them. The first one, 12 Bar Blues. Yeah, that was the one I wasn't that big of a fan of. Yeah, it made a, I was looking at like like worst li- like the list of the yeah. worst ones, just ones that are out there on different websites, and that made a few of them. Oh, at the yeah. record store, we would buy that CD like over the counter all the time, and I would just it would it was like a joke. It would just be like, oh, another copy of Twelve Bar Blues. <laughs> yeah, because it would have come out in like ninety seven or ninety eight. So STP was still um, was still a pretty big act at that time. You know, not yeah. not maybe you know necessarily their prime, but they certainly certainly were still a, a pretty big band. Yeah, the first uh, the first Dickie Betts record's really good. Oh, I'm yeah. trying to find a. Uh, I was, I just had, I know the picture of it in my head. I think it's, 
uh, not higher ground. Let me look. It's the one from like the mid seventies, right? Yeah, here we go. I'm pulling up his discography right here. I had some with, yeah, the almonds some being as successful. Highway Call. That's the name. Okay. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. You figure with the almonds and like the you know with brothers and sisters being so successful, like he probably had a lot of flexibility with his solo record, you know, financially and. You know, he could probably really do what he wanted, is my guess, um, and get you know a lot of label support for it as well. Um, so yeah, good good choices there. Um, I do like that twelve bar blues record a little more than some folks do, though. I, I don't mind that one. Um, I think his the one that he came out with, I don't know, maybe seven eight years ago, that Happy and Galoshes or whatever that. Oh one, yeah, that, that one is that just bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, well, let's think about, uh, so uh, as far as like the, the 90s alternative scene goes, yeah. uh, you know, you had Chris Cornell, he, he did Euphoria Morning, uh, which is pretty solid. Which isn't bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then Scream, which I never Scream listened to. Scream is terrible. You've never heard it? I, maybe half of I it. I can't say oh, I, dude, it's no, awful. I haven't heard yeah. it. No, I, I, I knew, I knew, so I didn't That bother. was on my list. That yeah. was, I, I, I don't even think that's one of the, the, the worst solo records I've heard. I think it's one of the worst records I've ever heard. Wow. It's, it's wow. like it's like unlistenable, man. I mean he's I, got Timbaland producing it. Yeah, like Pussycat uh, Dolls were involved track. at some point, I think. What's oh that? lord. Pussycat dolls were involved or uh, is uh, that the name? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was their name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um, it's it's unlistenable, man. I mean if wow. uh yeah. yeah. And he's got a new one coming out. I'm I'm optimistic about the new one coming out. Yeah. I I, yeah. I, I think I think he's uh, he's a good songwriter. Um Yeah. And uh, but uh, other other solo stuff, you know, Pearl Jam really didn't release anything solo until um, Stone Gossard was the first. uh, Actually, it's only been Stone and Ed to release anything solo. Uh, You know, the other guys had side projects. Well, the Rockfords with McCree. The Rockfords and Well Water Conspiracy uh, with uh, Cameron. Um, Three Fish with Three Fish, uh, right? Yeah, Trey uh, Mountains. uh, but I, I mean, I think Stone's uh, solo release is really solid. It's it's really good songwriting. I mean, Stone does a lot of the songwriting in Pearl Jam anyway. And that you're not Bayleaf talking about stuff. Brad, right? You're talking about Stone. no. I'm talking about Stone. It's called Bayleaf. Uh, the, okay. the, his solo record. I don't think I've heard that. I've never you should heard. Give that. it a listen. It's really solid. So it's it's obvious. Oh, this guy writes Pearl Jam songs. Yeah. Like it's it's really <laughs> obvious. So yeah. um, I'm uh, not a huge Brad fan. Yeah, I'm pretty indifferent to Brad. I, I feel like I like them other than Sean Smith. Yeah. I feel yeah. like he's just... The vocals, it's, yeah. It's just this really kind of bad... It's croonery, kind of. A it's bit. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um, it reminds uh, me of, like, John Popper or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> John uh, Popper had a solo record. And Zygote. I Zygote, yeah. 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 I remember digging that when I initially got it. I was pretty deep into into The Traveler at that time, and, and I did right. dig the, the Zygote. Uh, but I've since relinquished it to a uh, used record store. <laughs> one, I mean, one of the easy ones, like you know, if you want to pull an easy one, is uh, Jerry Garcia, his solo stuff. But more specifically, his his stuff with Merle Saunders, the Live at Keystone. There's a couple different records. Uh-huh. There's like a volume one and a volume two, and there might even be like a volume three. And uh, it, it's really good. It doesn't sound doesn't sound really like the grateful dead yeah i mean yeah it's it's cool to hear jerry's playing in a different style of music yeah well and it's His funny you mention that because respectable i've 
you know, I've listened to more Jerry Garcia band and uh, the Garcia Grisham uh, Grishman records yeah. than any Grateful Dead, uh, just because that's that's just what I lean toward for some reason. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I really appreciate Garcia's solo stuff. And all the Grisman collaborations are great too. Yeah, yeah. Pizza tapes and yeah. that Warfield live Warfield album from like '92 is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I dig all that stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll Manassas. Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to go say ahead, Stephen. No, go, ahead, go ahead. Another one was Stephen Stills. His uh, first solo record has, uh, I think, Hendrix and Clapton both play on us on a, a, mm-hmm. you know different songs. And then his other little side project after that, Manassas, was yeah. really good as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys, uh, you know, they were everybody in CSNY was you know before and after the band such superstars that uh, there's just a bevy of of good solo material there. Well, and I would say they're the but... only ones that I mean, and they obviously don't win, but they're the only band I could think of that would even give the Beatles a run for their money. As far as solo, yeah, you know what I mean. Because Crosby, yeah. Stills, Nash, Young, they yeah, they all well, Neil doesn't really count. Music. Yeah, I yeah. think because he had already established the solo. Because they were kind of weren't they? They were considered a super group to begin with. Because Graham Nash had history already with the yeah, Hollies. He had the Hollies yeah. and the yeah. Birds. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so I, I guess I look at what they did as solo a bit differently than what the Beatles did, and I think that the Beatles really kind of broke the ground for uh, the idea of this band no longer exists now what are they going to do because that really sure. hadn't happened up till right. uh the beatles broke up in their early 70s and you got the biggest band in the world it happens to them yeah so. yeah and so like everybody was on pins and needles i'm sure just wondering what each of these individual guys was going to do mm-hmm. and they kind of laid the groundwork for you know or, or i should say set a really high bar for uh execution of it uh, especially, you know, what, what Paul and, uh, and George, uh, and John, you know, maybe, well, let's talk about that. Like if you had to rank the Beatles, uh, uh, output, uh, from a, a solo standpoint, how would you rank it? I, all things must pass is my favorite post Beatles release. But what about as an artist, uh, to, I, uh, whole, uh, I, I agree with you on that one, Gabe. I yeah. think that is probably the yeah, best I agree. solo record. I agree with you. Yeah. I like, but everything afterwards. Uh... Yeah, I like McCartney. McCartney had a little more of a. Yeah, I don't mind Wings. No, yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like, I think McCartney had more of a. It's a bigger. A it's, a, it's a better catalog. Arc, you know what I mean? Like, I think. Not that I want to say John Lennon was a one-trick pony, but at oh. certain times of John Lennon's musical, is a lot. Some of it's predictable. His output is inconsistent. Yeah. Um. You obviously, imagine you know is is uh, yeah is uh you know it, it is what it is. It's great. Um. But uh, you know his other and stuff. And I think that's his... the thing that hurt that hurt Paul's stuff is that Paul. I mean, I think you know maybe I'm amazed is like the closest thing Paul had to imagine. Where because like that as soon as that was over, John Lennon was an icon because of that song. Sure. And I don't know if Paul necessarily had one of those during his solo career. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he certainly had a lot of hit singles. He did. Uh, he had tons yeah. of them. But, yeah. like, you think An John Lennon, you think Imagine. There's that yeah. little Imagine logo with his drawing and everything. And That's a good point. And 
Paul, it's like, Paul, hey, you had a re- Junior's Farm's a great song. Uh, Coming Up's a great tune. There's there's a bunch of, there's a really good group of Paul McCartney songs, but there's not one where you're like, right, like, right. that's the, that's right. the one. Yeah, Wings yeah, Over America is a good live release. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like Wings. Yeah. I'm not opposed to Wings. Yeah. I'd go, I'd go George, George John Paul Ring. Ringo, of course. Right, well, Ringo's not really part of the conversation, let's be honest. Here, oh, I'm sorry, right? Pete Best, Ringo. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm, I feel bad for Ringo, because, I mean, you know, I like, you You know, it don't come easy. It's a really good tune, course, you know? Yeah, but... but, like, one tune in your whole solo career, I guess, is kind of... That's a that's a bad batting average, but um, <laughs> can't all be perfect, you know. I mean, and the thing is, and it's hard for me to appreciate because I'm a guitarist, or I I grew up as a musician as a guitarist. But there are a ton of drummers who really, really, really respect Ringo Starr. Oh, yeah. like, oh definitely, definitely. Steve, Steve from the Black Crows. I think Ringo's like his favorite drummer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it has to do probably something with the Beatles being so important to so many people. Yeah. Um, but um, speaking of drummers and solo releases, I was looking over these lists, um, and Keith's Keith Moon's solo release, Two Sides of the Moon, <laughs> I've never was on a lot of it, and I listened to it today, and I think it's pretty fun. I mean, it's it's just goofy as hell i bet and it's you know i I mean i don't know what people expected you know you take you take a a madman drummer and who's on a bunch of drugs you know and and let him have a solo record and do you're like here's a check like what do they what do they expect yeah um a ton of people are on it like harry nielsen's on it um i think clapton's on it yeah like it's 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 weird um it's 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 a lot of like um you know it's kind of got like a 50s feel to it early 60s feel um and it's just weird uh it's funny so i don't know i don't know if it's as bad as everybody makes it out to be because i don't i don't really i think you probably should have tempered your expectations if you were a critic or reviewing that record you know (laughs) i mean it's kind of almost like people thought every solo kiss record was going to be awesome and they all were kind of i mean uh, by, by far yeah, aces is yeah is that's best. what i thought but like i mean <laughs> it's like did people really think like peter chris's solo record was going to be awesome no no and then his solo records after kiss post kiss uh weren't very good either um it just one one quick tidbit about peter chris's first solo record uh not his first one not the one he released when he was in kiss but the one from like 1980 out of control it just goes to show you like how how much freedom and flexibility artists had if they were in an established band and they were signed to the label like peter chris got like like four million dollars just to make a solo record and that's four million dollars in 1980 Wow. You know, that's a lot of money, Fucking especially money. a lot of money 35 wow. years ago. And the album sucks. It took forever to make. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's just crap. It went nowhere. Like, it, you know, it did like oh, yeah. it didn't even like crack the top 100. Um, but just, just just the amount of, I don't know, I guess, trust that record labels put in artists or they yeah. had, to, I guess, contractually. But but, yeah, it's just it's crazy. I mean, like something like that would never happen today. You know, well, and yeah, based on those sales of of his solo record, when Ace left, that's how he got the deal. He, sure, yeah, that first right. Fraley's Comet record is right. pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah. No, hey, man. Yeah, I um, Aces of the of the four Kiss solo records that were released while they were in Kiss. I mean, Aces was far and away the best. I mean, the other the other three just pale in comparison to his. I mean, I would even go as far as to say Aces is like one of the best straight ahead rock records of of the late seventies. So, yeah. Um, well, some others, um, Jonathan, you had listed some people here. Yeah, well, get, getting back to the Who, um, uh, you know, Townsend obviously had some really, uh, really solid uh, solo output. Um, but I think uh, really underrated is uh, N. Wessel's uh, uh, solo output, uh, especially Smash Your Head Against the Wall. Uh, I, I may have talked about it before uh, on here, but it's it's a really interesting record. Uh, and what Entwistle would do, I mean, there's, you know, there's some orchestration involved, like, like not orchestration, orchestration, but just, you know, as a verb, it's some orchestration. And uh, even a, 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 a cover of Cinnamon Girl is on there. Um, uh, his own version of Heaven and Hell. Uh, but but even some songs you've never heard before that uh, uh, that he's saved for this record. Uh, I highly recommend checking out uh, Smash Your Head Against the Wall. Cool. Yeah, I... I've heard that one once or twice. I don't have it. Um, but yeah, it gives me reason to revisit that one. Um, you had mentioned in your list, Jonathan, here that uh, the Jerry Cantrell solo oh, yeah. record. Well, yeah. he, what, he has two solo records, I think. Degradation uh, Trip, Boggy Depot, and... I was going to say, I remember Boggy Depot. Boggy Depot's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's good. Um, and, and Degradation Trip's not bad either. I think, in my opinion, the Cantrell solo stuff is him just being... I assume he was just prolific as hell during his Alice in Chains days, and he's like, oh. I gotta put this somewhere. You know, if I can't record it with Alice in Chains, uh, you know, I, I want to put it somewhere. And uh, they a lot of it could very easily be Alice in Chains songs. Yeah. Uh, and granted, you know, some of the stuff he was probably thinking, man, eh, this really wouldn't work for Chains, so I'm going to save it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he, uh, it establishes, his solo stuff establishes how important he was to, Al, or, and is to Alice in Chains. Yeah, right. yeah, but especially when Lane Staley was around. Yeah. Levi, any that you stand out that are really bad? Oh, off the top of my head, um... Hey, how come we I, never talk about any Stones solo stuff? Well, oh, yeah, I was going to mention, yeah, Mick Jagger's, Mick Jagger's solo record's awful. She's uh, the awful. boss, man. <laughs> Fuck, that's, that's, that would be another one. That would come in on vinyl all the time. Oh, really? And we, it would come across the counter, and you'd be like, oh, there's another copy of that. Yeah, that one a uh, uh, the, few years ago got us in the doorway, which is pretty bad, too. Glenn Fry's, um, is it No Fun Allowed? I think is the name of it, something like that. It's a Glenn F- Fry solo record, and uh, it would come into the store all the time. It's awful because one day I put it on because we ended up having about three copies of it in the new arrivals bin. Like, it's, three not, co- the one, it's not the one with all the singles on it, right? I mean, it's not like the one with like Smuggler's Blues, and or is it? Because so. I mean, like, I don't. Like Smuggler's Blues is an amazing music video, uh, but <laughs> but like that solo record, I mean, yeah, it's, it was it's, uh, it's called No Fun Allowed. It was his first one from '82. It said the two singles off of it are "The One You Love" and "I Found Somebody." 
Okay, the album after that, like, because he did the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Thank God he turned it around. Yeah. But his his first, it, it was his debut solo record in '82, yeah. and it's not good, man. Not yeah. good. All the Eagles, um, uh, you know, that's that's another like them. I mean, love them or hate them. Uh, there's a wide, uh, wide room. Yeah. Wide, quite a bit of. Uh, there's a big solo catalog there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, obviously. When you the, include Joe Walsh and when you include, say, yeah. uh, you know, Don Headley as well. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say one, a good one, and he was never really able to re- to replicate it, but Alone Together by Dave Mason is a great record. Oh, yeah. I own that record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as everyone should. Um, yeah, I, that's one of my – and that was that came out, if I'm not mistaken, he left Traffic – released that and then came back just briefly was like yep. with them for like just a few shows and then left again and never really came back so i i haven't listened to it. i'll have to check it out oh what really yeah you ever, you ever oh dude it's got the uh i believe it has the original versions of um sad and deep as you is on there that only it's got the original versions of only you know and i know which was a song that like delaney and bonnie covered and then um she the other took one more is than uh, gave. yeah, hmm. yeah. The yeah gets like right away. All right, All right. just don't hesitate on that one. Yeah, get on the 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 Mason. Well, uh, that explains it. Bonnie Bramlett. It says Bonnie Bramlett is the backup vocalist, and Leon Russell was the keyboardist. Carl Rattle on bass. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's all that family. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, Jim Keltner, Jim Gordon, Jim yeah. Hall. The three gems, the three drummer gems. Nice. Yeah, that's a great one. That's uh, that's ah man, that's one of the best solo releases of the of the seventies. Um, and then also I like um, one of my other favorites is if I could only remember my name by David Crosby. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a great one. Um, you know, cowboy movie. Music is love is beautiful song. So um, yeah, that that's uh those stand out to me um yeah yeah so uh, a lot of stuff here um any others guys that uh um yeah i'll say uh, uh i think yeah jenny lewis to get more contemporary jenny lewis gets a lot of acclaim for her recent stuff but i still think her previous band rilo kiley is i enjoy rilo kiley more than i do jenny lewis's solo stuff though i think the, the solo stuff is, that album uh, that came out is solid uh, is solid, but yeah, um, I, I like I like her solo. But I would rather I would rather see another Rilo Kylie record, I guess. Um, uh, the Jim James one, I was pretty indifferent to Jim James of My Morning Jacket. Um, he's kind of out there, sure. so yeah, he's, he's... Uh, so when he when he doesn't have the vehicle that is My Morning Jacket, it can can really go. I mean, maybe someday I'll get it and I'll understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a solo release that might be unnecessary. It's got a guy playing a ukulele. Gets unnecessary. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, so yeah. So, so Ed, Ed, Eddie Vedder releases the ukulele songs. Um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, he just wanted to release uh, an album of songs, you know, with the ukulele. I he mean, can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. No, I think, I think it's solid songwriting. Um, I think Into the Wild is is better though a soundtrack. Um. Uh, but still technically, I mean, some of that's into the wild stuff they play, uh, they've incorporated into the, yeah. into the Pearl Jam catalog. Yeah. 
I don't really have any desire to see like those guys outside of Pearl Jam. I got to be honest. It's just, I mean, I, I respect them. And I'd see Eddie if he as, came to town, as, but as artists, you know, they obviously I, you know, I would want to do my own thing too eventually. Yeah. But um, Eddie's solo sets are impressive. Uh, there's there's a lot of interesting covers in there, um, uh, and uh, and it's you know it's it's a bit more. I, I think in a way it's a bit looser than a Pearl Jam show. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I none of the Black Crows member solo releases have been that outstanding. I think Rich's I mean, are I, solid. I I I, th- I like parts of of most of them, but like none of them I think are like complete works. Yeah. I don't know. Um Yeah. His voice is getting stronger. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing uh in Lyons, Colorado, at the Oscar Blues Brewery, they make Dale's Pale Ale in the cans. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. make yeah. Uh, Mama's uh, little uh, <laughs> pilsner. They make a good pilsner as well. I, yeah. know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the brewery is in Lyons, and um, he's playing there, and it's like ten bucks. And I don't know if I'm going to go over and see him or not. I would, man. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I, I think Paper's really good. Uh, I, that was the first one, Cecil right? Si- I think the, yeah. the most recent one is musically probably his best. I think Paper's got really good riffs on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I gosh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into whatever Rich is doing. I'm, I'm a little, little biased there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking that uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah. yeah. Still waiting on that. Ed Harsh solo record. <laughs> Bring it on, man. You know, we're going we're gonna to kickstart that thing for him? Okay. <laughs> so I think we'll need to. It might have to be the Shinsu Chu All-Stars, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. To get even more contemporary, uh, I think the decision of Kurt Vile to go solo from War on Drugs is the best decision for all music fans of the last uh, five, eight years. Uh because uh, what the War on Drugs has been able to produce and what Kurt Vile has been able, able to produce, I think, is some of the best rock music. Uh, yeah. Definitely the last decade. Yeah, rarely, rarely do, like, you know, you know it's like <laughs> him leaving made them better, and then he was yeah, yeah, his own it did. thing. And, and, uh, Are they, like, on cool terms? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. friendly. Yeah, yeah, they've, yeah, they've jammed together, uh, you yeah. know, once or twice uh, since, yeah. since he left. There's yeah. a cool video of them it's not on... not hostile or anything. Um, yeah. I think it was them on on uh, playing in Philly, and it's on YouTube. Yeah, uh, playing this Philly thing. show, uh, a yeah. really small stage, and you don't realize that Kurt Vile is up there playing because he's just like hunched over. Like he's he's practically there. kneeling on the stage because it's so small, and he's just like hunched over playing during the set, and you know tweaking uh, tweaking his guitar uh, pedals. And uh, uh, no, but it's it's a great set. I'll, I'll I'll dig it up on YouTube and put it on the. Uh, uh, that's where references. Th- that's where I saw War on Drugs on New Year's Eve a few years ago. When I was it was that same movie. place, Johnny Brenda's. Yeah, nice. Yeah, which is an awesome, awesome bar too. Um, and you know, talking about Kurt Vile, I think segues me to our recom- our bullpen session, our recommendations. Nice. Um, I'm going to go first just because it is related to Kurt Vile. Um, I, I, I discovered I don't remember how I discovered this guy other than it was on RDO so it was kind of just sort of one of those one click led to another related artist things um, there's this guy named Steve Gunn and that's G-U-N-N um, and uh, he 
has been putting out work for a while, only I just discovered him recently, and he was in Kurt Vile's band. He was in the Vile. Oh, he was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I, I don't think he still is. Um, but yeah, he was in Kurt Vile's um, band, and he has an album that came out last year called Way Out Weather um, that's really good. Uh, he plays a lot of 12-string. Um, he's got a good voice, too. And uh, he he's got another one. Um, he's got a, he's got quite a few albums, but um, the one that got a lot of attention was the one from a couple of years ago called Time Off, um, and it, it's good too. But the one Way Out Weather that was released last year, I really like. So um, I, you know, it's got it's it's like I said, he plays twelve string, but it's got some of the songs have a little bit of an electronic feel, but not not overkill. You know, not he doesn't overdo it by mm-hmm. any means. Just kind of strikes that right balance you know kind of like gomez did i think mm-hmm. to a certain degree on their on their first couple records um so yeah steve gunn check him out everybody i believe i think you'd really dig it too um, cool. yeah. yeah it's I called the album's will. called way out weather um from last year really really oh. good stuff and you know just i, I like the 12 string too he's just he really he just puts out such a nice sound so right check him out yeah steve gunn nice. Nice. so that's mine um, mine this week is an oldie but a goodie because you know I listen to lots of old music. Um, and I was actually really stoked to find this on vinyl. It's Neil Diamond's Just for You, it's his second nice. LP, and it was on Bang Records. And so now I have the others, I have all of his first records that were on this Bang Records label. Mm-hmm. And um, this is from '67. Nice. And man, it's just amazing. There was like a three-year period from maybe like 66 to 69, even maybe 70. He's just like prolific, man. Like yeah. I, like John Fogarty level of like the dude just wrote hits. Oh, yeah. This t- one, coming this from Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. This one album is Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, Red Red Wine, Cherry Cherry, I'm a believer, Shiloh, you got to me, solitary man, and thank the Lord for the nighttime. Like Jesus. every one of those freaking songs are his. Wow. Yeah. And he couldn't miss, man. No. And I, I don't know. I, I can, I see like when I listen to his music, because I've been listening to a lot of my music through headphones lately, because we are in a condo and shared walls and everything. His music is. It, it, like really happy, like his songs exude like a happiness, and you can yeah, see like a, it's why kind they of were jangly, like, you know, they yeah, were like right. universally appealing. You could yeah, really yeah. get that off of it. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. Did you, K, Levi? I, did you hear that album that he did a couple of years ago that Rick Rubin produced? No, I, I've heard good things about it's good. it. Yeah, Old songs I think is what it's called. Yeah, something like that. It's oh. uh, you know, obviously he. They stripped it down quite a bit um, where it's just like him and the guitar again. yeah it's not a big album but um it's it's some of his more interesting work that he's put out over the last few you know the last probably 25 years or so for him well yeah and uh, like after the i want to say one or two records after this he kind of fell off he had he had a record called like velvet gloves and spit and it's got some song about like reefer on it, and uh, yeah. like yeah, like you you could see like the career path just like well, it went down like at that point. Velvet gloves and spit sounds like like too uh, too like uh, kind of like you know 
outland some outlandish duo that like hops trains in the 1940s or something i thought it was the name of the genre. or the I next scott wyland record yeah. the next scott wyland record yeah <laughs> could be the next john holmes movie as well <laughs> I, i've seen him live he puts on a show i've seen uh, neil diamond not john holmes <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, your recommendation this week? Uh, mine's going back just a couple years here. Uh, this is a band from uh, Sydney, Australia, and it's called Royal Headache. And uh, incidentally, they just put out a new record. What I'm uh, showing here is their self-titled debut uh, from 2010. Uh, Royal Headache is it's kind of garage punk and like vintage like dance hall soul, so like really kind of indie soul. Um, Kind of, it kind of sounds like the Buzzcocks at times. Kind of produce like the Buzzcocks sound um, with this uh, with a self titled uh, release. It's you know it's it's pretty straightforward. They aren't really fucking around from song to song. Uh, most songs are just you know clocking in at like two thirty, you know. And but on the new one, they actually you know they mix it up a little bit. And uh, there's even like a slow like crooning song, which is really interesting. That uh, you know the Royal Headache are branching out a bit. Uh, but I definitely recommend you checking out uh, not just uh, their self-titled debut, but also their new one. So, Royal Headache. Royal Headache. Cool. I will make a note of that. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Everybody can check out those recommendations on our website, rockchew.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rockin, that's in as in Neil Diamond, Neil Young, Neil Casal, all three. Careful, people you better talk- save some for next week. I know we oh. talked about all three. Well, we talked about all three of those yeah. people tonight. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you can check us out at Rock In Chew. Uh, you can follow us, I should say, on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook, and also if you do enjoy this podcast, uh, go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Give us a favorable rating, or if you don't like it, tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, we appreciate any type of feedback. So. Uh, that'll help us get a little more exposure on iTunes as well. So we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, until next time, I will see everybody and uh, see everybody again soon. And uh, have a good night, everybody. Take care. Later. Peace. Later. <laughs>